Well, good morning. Happy Palm Sunday to you. Um, the Lord God is good, unchanging, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory, and adoration. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is, of course, a widely recognized day amongst Christians. And the facts that surround this wonderful day is what we're going to take a look at here this morning. Now, in reality, as we recognize Palm Sunday, we must also understand that every day in Christ is a wonderful day. Every day. Every day in Jesus Christ is a wonderful day. And, and as Christians, we should gather on a regular basis and, and we should exhort one another in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we should gather always and we should celebrate the Lord always. But of course, nowadays we're, we're gathering in a, a little bit uh, different way, aren't we? You know, we, we're, we're, in this case, we're far more than six feet apart. But, but like I said, this morning, we will go ahead and take a look at some scriptures regarding the events surrounding the real meaning of this day, Palm Sunday. It's got a great meaning, and far more than just a religious day, right? The significance of what took place the week before the death, the burial, and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ is huge for you and me today because we know and understand that if Jesus were not crucified, dead, and buried, and risen again to eternal life, then we would have no reason to gather in any way, shape, or form this morning, right? No reason at all. Sure, we could still gather and hang out or FaceTime one another as it is today or Zoom one another, but without the finished work of Jesus Christ, we would just be gathering as a, a group of eternally hopeless individuals if not for what Jesus has done for us. You see, in Jesus, we have a, a living hope, a living hope. That is a hope in this lifetime, an eternal hope, right? And this hope now belongs to all of those that have repented of their sin and have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith in Jesus is the only foundation that there is for eternal life. And every detail of, of His life, every detail of the life of Jesus is of the utmost importance, not only to the present day followers of Jesus, but to every single person on the face of the earth. The details of his life are extremely important, even to those that do not profess faith in Jesus Christ, because the fact of the matter is, is there is no other Savior. There's no other Lord. There's no other way to eternal life with God in heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the facts of his life matter to every one of us. Now, getting to the topic of Palm Sunday. The reason for calling this day Palm Sunday is, of course, because this day commemorates what the Bible tells us 
was a day in which Jesus triumphantly entered into the city of Jerusalem, riding on a colt, the fall of a donkey, and the people praised him with the waving of palm branches, okay, or leafy branches, right? Uh, Maybe we could call this leafy branch Sunday. But you see, Jesus had set his face like flint, as Scripture says, and he was headed for the cross. He was fully focused on finishing the course for which he had come to this earth. He was going to his death in order that he might redeem us all. So indeed, why we remember this day is an extremely important day. Right. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles or your phone apps or whatever it may be to Mark chapter 11. Mark is in the New Testament just after the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. But I want you to find Mark chapter 11. Now, I'll let you know I'm going to have you probably turning the pages of your Bible or scrolling through your your Bible apps a lot this morning. Okay. but again, it's important that we understand this, the meaning of this day, right? You see, at this point, as we read Mark chapter 11, at this point here in the life of Jesus, he has now spent the last three years of his earthly life fulfilling his earthly ministry of serving others and proclaiming to the world not only who he was and of course is, but also who the Father is and the Spirit as well. Jesus has taught many people up to this point. So this morning, we're going to take a look at some scriptures that speak to that time when, like I said, Jesus set his face like flint and he headed fully determined into what would be his last week of life, his last week of earthly ministry, this ministry that he had here on the earth before going to the cross to die for the sin of the world. But remember, Jesus went willingly into Jerusalem to face his crucifixion. And beginning now in verse 1 here of Mark chapter 11, it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, now I want to pause right there because I want to comment on this for a couple moments here, right? Because here we get a geographical picture of where Jesus was at this time. You see, and and that's going to be important in what I talk about today. That's why I'm going to point it out. You see, the town of Bethphage and Bethany were two very small towns about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And at this time that we are reading about here, Jerusalem was packed with people on this day. And there is a historian whose name was uh, Josephus, and in his writing he tells that there was a very large amount of people in Jerusalem at this particular time. The amount of people there at this time is estimated to be three times the amount of any other normal day in Jerusalem. And this is when Jesus is coming in. Okay? And the reason that there was such a large amount of people there was because it was the time of Passover. And Jewish men and women came in droves to Jerusalem every year at the time of Passover. Now, you may already know this, but Passover was instituted by God Himself. And there is a lot more to it than what I'm going to say right now, but I'll I'll give you just a brief look at 
just one aspect of Passover, okay? You see, the children of Israel, way back in the time of Moses, were to go and to find a lamb that was spotless and without blemish. A pure lamb, right? And they were to then sacrifice that lamb at Passover and take the blood of that lamb. Okay, now I'm talking about way back in the day, the Israelites with, with Moses, right? They were to take the blood of that lamb and smear it on the doorpost of their houses. Then the Spirit of God would pass over. That's where we get that term from. And as, and as long as the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost of their residence, there would be no death in the household. However, if the blood of the lamb was not on the doorpost of the house, then all of the firstborn male animals and the firstborn male child would, would die in the household. And the Passover celebration that was going on in Jerusalem here in the Gospel of Mark commemorated the event of ancient Israel. And the Passover feast was also commemorated um, it commemorated the deliverance of the children of Israel from their bondage that they were under in Egypt. So here it is, again, Mark chapter 11, the Jews are celebrating the Passover and remembering the deliverance from bondage and now coming onto the scene just a short distance out of town, out of the city of Jerusalem, is one coming who they called the Lamb of God who was going to take away the sin of the world. He was going to go to the cross. He was going to shed his blood and be a sacrifice for all of mankind to set us free from the bondage of sin and death. And here he is, just a short distance out of Jerusalem. He's not too far away. It won't be long before he gets there. And these people are all, and I'm going to point this out a couple times here, but they're just all going about a celebration here, right? And he's coming on to the scene. And, and so we, that's the picture that we got to see here as we, as we read this to understand what's happening. The Israelites are celebrating this deliverance from Egypt, from bondage. And here comes Jesus to take away their sin. I'm really you know, drilling in on this point with you here. The blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, will now be shed for the remission of sin. So again, the city was packed. And Jesus, along with his disciples, they're just out of town, they're approaching the city. And verse one continues here and says, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat, loose it, and bring it. Now, there's an important picture here that we must not miss as well, okay? You see, the colt is the foal of a donkey, and I'll show you that in just a little bit here. But today, that is in our day and age, a donkey would not at all be considered as a, a noble animal by you and me, right? It's considered more of a beast of burden or a working animal. So why would King Jesus ride into town on such an animal? Well, let me show you. We're going to go ahead and mark this page here in your Bible and, and turn for a moment with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. Okay, it's toward the front of your Bible 
between 2 Samuel and, of course, 2 Kings. I want you to find 1 Kings. And we're going to take a look at chapter 1. We're going to take a look at some scriptures in chapter 1. So 1 Kings chapter 1. Looking down around verse 32. Actually looking at verse 32. It says, And King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jedidiah. So they came before the king. The king also said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and take him down to Gion. So what we see taking place here is that Solomon is about to be anointed the king of Israel. Because verse 1 of this chapter says that King David was old and advanced in years. Okay, And looking at verse 34, there let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn and say, long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne and he shall be king in my place for I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. So you see, Solomon was being given a royal treatment here. And part of that royal treatment, part of the royal treatment of an anointed king was that they came into their position of power riding on a donkey or a mule. Okay, Again, that animal doesn't have the same picture in our minds today, right? But that's what it was like in that day. And of course, we know today that there is no greater king that has ever lived or ever will live than Jesus Christ. He is the king of kings and his kingdom and of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's an eternal kingdom. Let me just quickly show you uh, another Old Testament prophecy here. Go ahead and turn to the book of Zechariah. It's to the right from where we are here in 1 Kings. It's between Haggai and Haggai and uh, Malachi, uh, just before you get to the New Testament. Okay, if you hit the New Testament, go back. You missed it. And we're going to, to look at chapter 9. So, Zechariah chapter 9. I want to point something else out here to you this morning. Again, we're looking at all the details surrounding what's happening with the life of Jesus on this day that we commemorate at, as Palm Sunday, right? So, Zechariah chapter 9. And we'll look down at verse 9. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. So that's why I pointed that out to you a little bit ago, right? But... You see, this day, the day that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem here, the day that we still remember with fondness today, this was prophesied of many years before it ever even happened. And it was prophesied of about Jesus. Here he comes, the king, king of the Jews. But but he was lowly. He was a, a man of peace. He was not 
braggadocious. He, he was not arrogant. And the Jews, they weren't looking for somebody like Jesus. They didn't want a lowly king. They were looking for a better political figure, maybe even a man like King David, who was a man of war. But Jesus was lowly. And here he comes. You see, you can read about it in Luke chapter 1. I'm not going to have you turn there. But before the birth of Jesus, when the angel of the Lord came to Mary as a teenage virgin, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But what, and that, that's before the birth of Jesus, right? But what we're seeing in Mark chapter 11 is that Jesus, the King of Kings, again, he's coming to town. This is the fulfillment of prophecy But what's everybody doing? Well, of course, we're going to see what some of them will do, but everybody's just going about their daily life. They're partying. They're having festivities here, right? But Jesus is coming to be crucified for the sin of the world. Let's go ahead and turn. I told you I'm going to have you looking at a lot of scriptures here. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. Again, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 24. What I want us to do here is take a look at what Jesus says about the last days, right? His second coming. Because again, I'm pointing out to you, here's Jesus outside of town. He's coming, right? The Lamb of God, He's coming into town. But people are just going about their normal activities and their their festivities and such. So in Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to start reading in verse 3, it says, Now as he sat on Mount Olives, on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus will now go on and give a very detailed answer, but let's just for the sake of our study here this morning, let's jump down to verse 37, right? Jesus is still speaking here of the end times. And in verse 37, he says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be, right? So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Or so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So you see, sometime in our very near future, there will be the second coming of Christ. And when that day comes, people will not expect it. Remember, on this day of Palm Sunday, he's just two miles out of town. He's coming. They have no idea what they're in for, but he's coming, okay? Again, people will be going about their daily business, their normal way of life, just as the people in Jerusalem were, right? But just as it was in the days of Noah, 
there, there was a warning because there was a man named Noah who was a preacher of righteousness. And he was proclaiming that a flood was coming. He was telling people to get ready. But the people of Noah's day thought nothing of it. Right? They just thought that Noah was a religious fanatic. And the, and the earth couldn't possibly flood. And what's all this talk about rain, Noah? Come on, man, we've never heard of such a thing. But then, many years after Noah, when Jesus comes the first time, they wanted nothing to do with him either. They were just buying and selling and partying on and doing what they do, right? And as we turn back to Matthew chapter 11, uh, Mark chapter 11, sorry, the page that hopefully you marked, Mark chapter 11, Jesus, the Lamb of God, again, he's approaching the city. And picking it up in verse 3, Jesus told two of his disciples to get the cult. Jesus says, and if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. Now, there's a couple of things I see in verse 3 here. For one, we've got to keep in mind that everything that took place in the life of Jesus was for was um, foreordained, right? There was nothing, not one thing that happened that was not planned out before the beginning of time as we know it. We're going to turn the pages of our Bible again here. So mark this page and turn toward the back of your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1. You see, I could just read these scriptures to you, but it's important that, first of all, you familiarize yourself with your Bible if you're not familiar with it. But it's also important that you yourself read it. That way, you know, I'm not just making something up here when I read the scriptures to you, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, you'll find it between the book of James and 2 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to look down at verse 20. In verse 20 here, it says, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested, or was but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So here's another scripture that tells us that Jesus existed before the foundation of the world, but he wasn't manifested or didn't make an appearance, if you will, until what Peter calls here these last times. And the reason that Jesus was manifested here on the earth was so that we could, as it says there in verse 21, through him believe in God. Like I said, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him, right? But that's the reason that Jesus came, so that we could, through Him, believe in God. He came, He became flesh and blood, just as we are, right? He knows our every need as human beings. And we go to God through and because of Jesus. And Jesus wants to take care of us of our every need. He wants us trusting in Him. He wants us fixing our eyes on Him and seeking first His kingdom, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. 
and he will add to us the things that we need. This is a wonderful promise, isn't it, from the word of God. But we must trust in the Lord. But again, each and every step of the life of Jesus Christ was all planned out before the beginning of time. So now, back to Mark chapter 11 again. In verse 3, Jesus told them to go get the colt and and all you have to do is tell them that the Lord has need of it and immediately he will send it here. But the other thing I see in verse 3 here of Mark 11 is that it seems kind of ironic maybe to someone that would say, why Why did the Lord have need, right? He's God in the flesh, isn't he? Couldn't he just made it so that the donkey right, appeared right in front of him out of no, from out of nowhere? And all he had to do was just get on the donkey and start riding in the town? Well, the obvious answer to those questions is, of course, yes, he could have done that, right? But he allows his disciples, what he's doing here, what I see is he's allowing his disciples to take part in the work that he's doing on the earth. And not only that, but prophecy was being fulfilled. But it's awesome that he allows us to participate in his kingdom. There's work to be done on this earth in getting people to see and to know the love of God. And the Lord wants to use His disciples, His followers today, to be His hands and feet on the earth today. He's, his coming is soon. He's not too far away. Again, I'm painting this picture of how He's just outside of Jerusalem and these people are just going about their normal activities. And he's not too far away now. And he needs to use his disciples, those of you that profess the name of Jesus Christ, to tell others that the time is short and they need to come to Jesus. Right? He needs us in that sense. He needs us to go out and to share his love with others. To let people know that what the Lord has done for you Right? And that He is coming again to take us to, that, to a place that's much better than this place. He wants our faith and our hope to be in Him. He wants us to trust in Him and to look unto Him. In Jesus, you can find rest for your soul. And that was His desire on that day as well. That day when He came riding into Jerusalem. But again, the people were busy about their business, right? Just going on with their normal routines. And unfortunately, it's going to be the same situation when Jesus comes again in the future. And that is why it's so important that we understand His Word and that we do the very best we can to share the Word of God with others. This is why I do this. This is kind of normal for me. This is the way I do my Bible teachings. Normally there's people here, but, but because of everything going on, we're keeping our social distance, right? Doing our part with that. But, but, we, but we must keep preaching the gospel. All the more as we see the day approaching, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to be gathering together with one another, even if you have to do it like this right now or whatever way you can. We need to be exhorting one another, but we also need to be proclaiming the Lord to others. Why is the Lord tarrying in, in coming back? The Bible tells us why He's tarrying. 
He's not slack concerning his promise, it says. He's coming back. But he's long-suffering. That means he's patient. He's waiting. And the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. He wants you to get saved. And he wants you who are saved, our people of faith, to tell others. That's what he wants us to do, to tell others. Right? But verse 4 here goes on. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. You know, when I see that there, just as Jesus commanded, you know, when you and I obey the words of the Lord, things work out the way that they're supposed to. Think about that. They let them go. Go ahead. Oh, the Lord needs it. Go ahead. When you and I obey the command of the Lord, the commands of the Lord, things work out just the way they're supposed to. No matter what, no matter what comes, okay? They, they did exactly what the Lord told them to do, didn't they? And today, we have our Bibles as our guidelines for this life in which we now live, okay? It's a temporary life. And in this life, there, there's going to be trials as we go through it. But the Lord has not left us comfortless. He's not left us alone. He has given us His Word. And if we'll just obey it and do as He has instructed us to do, all things will go according to His plan. And we can rest in that fact. Again, we're living in some troubling times right now, aren't we? Some unsettling times. Some weird times. People are hoarding toilet paper. <laughs> it's weird what's going on in many ways. Okay? But we can trust in Jesus. We can rest in Jesus. Our, our plan is, is to follow Jesus. Okay? That's what our plan is. And we can rest in Him. Right? You see, it's hard to understand sometimes the events of this life but God has called us to be people of faith, not people of sight. To walk by faith and not by sight. To trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And to lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways. That is in everything we do. In all our ways, acknowledge Him. What does He do? He directs our paths as a result. And when it comes to Jesus, His birth was foreordained. His life was foreordained. His death was foreordained. His resurrection and ascension was foreordained. Everything has gone according to plan so far. And now we just await one more event. And that is his return, his second coming. And in the meantime, we are to be living in obedience to exactly what he says, doing what he has told us to do. Walking by faith and trusting in Him and letting people know He's just, He's not too far away. He's coming soon. Our King is coming. And people need to get saved. Verse 7 goes on Then they, they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and He sat on it. Now, remember, no one has ever sat on this colt before, but this colt has a purpose. This donkey has a, a purpose, right? 
He's going to carry his creator into the city where his creator will be crucified for the sin of the world. So it isn't like this cult's going to throw Jesus off his back or something, right? Even though it's never been written, he's carrying his creator now. Right? So the people here are using their clothes as a saddle, if you will, for Jesus. And, and, and verse 8 says, And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches. That's why I said maybe we could call this Leafy Branch Sunday, right? They cut down many leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father, David, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna there means save now. Save now. So that's what these people are shouting. And, and you know what? They were shouting out the truth for sure, weren't they? Jesus was coming as their king to save them, but he will do it in such a way that the majority of them will not approve of who he is. They wanted a political leader to save them from their earthly poverty. But Jesus came to save us from our spiritual poverty. Many people today are panicking over earthly things, temporary things. But what you really need to be in a panic about is, are you saved? And I'm talking to the unsaved. I don't know who will ever see this video. But that's what you need to be concerned with is the salvation of your soul. What shall profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Or what shall man give in exchange for his soul? What shall profit you if you hoard all the toilet paper in the world? and all the material things that this world has to offer, but you lose your soul. There's a spiritual poverty. That's the problem. That's the greater virus. It's the sin that separates you from God. The sad thing is, is that these same people here that are now shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, will soon be shouting out different words. They will soon be shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. But here again, it's all going according to plan. And Jesus goes on here to be arrested, severely beaten, spat upon. They will batter his body to a pulp. They will nail him to a cross and they will bury him in a tomb. But today, do we realize what he did for us all? God loved us so much and still loves so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whosoever would believe on him will not perish but would have everlasting life. Everyone must decide today what to do with Jesus. In our hearts, do we praise and adore Him like we see them doing in this chapter or do we say with our hearts away with Him, crucify Him? Do we accept Him as He is for who He is and for what He's done for us? Or do we reject Him? Are we fickle and some days we praise Him and adore Him? And then when he doesn't perform like we want him to or things aren't going the way we like for them to, do we say away with him? 
You see, it's easy to make the mistake of making Jesus our political leader, the head of our religious institution, or even just our homeboy, right? In other words, we want him to make our lives here on earth easy. So we mold what Jesus is all about to be what we want to be about on this earth, right? We want him to give us all that we desire. But when things don't go the way we want them to, our actions say, away with you, Jesus. You're not working out for for me the way I expected you to, Jesus. Unfortunately, many people have done this kind of thing. You see, we must never forget that Jesus laid down his life here so that we can come to know an abundant life there, right, in heaven, that is. For now, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. We are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts, as the scriptures say, and we're to lean not on our own understanding, right? We are to acknowledge him in all of our ways, as I quoted earlier, and he'll direct our path. But Jesus also said that in this life, we will have tribulation, and our walk as Christian, as a Christian, is hard. That's why we must continue to fight the fight. Now, if your life as a Christian is easy because you're not sharing the gospel with anybody, you're not telling people they need to get ready, you're not telling people about the Savior, so you're not being persecuted in any way, well, you might need to examine yourself right, as to whether you're in the faith. Because the Christian life is a fight of faith, and, but we must stay the course. We must press on. Jesus said if, that if the world hated him, they will hate those that follow him as well. Things don't always go the way we want them to do that. And Palm Sunday, it was a triumphant entry but it was a triumphant entry into a dismal week for Jesus. And as we apply that to ourselves today, sometimes life is just like that. It can be good, it can be dismal. But the story ends well for Jesus. And because of Jesus, because of the finished work of Jesus, our lives as His followers will end well as well. So, we've seen here this morning that Jesus has entered Jerusalem. He came to die, and His death brought about our peace with God. But next week, we'll look at the rest of the story. Because He rose again from the dead, and He has given us what the Bible calls a living hope. The one we trust in, the one we place our hope in, is alive and well and coming again. And His coming is near. He may just be two miles outside of town, right? His coming is near. And he has began a good work in you if you've come to him, and he will be faithful to complete it. So as we remember Palm Sunday, and we, we contemplate where we are in our relationship with our Savior and Lord, I exhort you again to turn your eyes upon Jesus and to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, to make your priority the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Read the word and seek him with all of your heart, for in him and in him only are you complete or or made whole, 
Without Him, we are nothing. We are lost in spiritual darkness and hopelessness. So remember the Lord. Remember what the Lord has done for you and in you. Palm Sunday for the born-again Christian is much like every other day. Because every day is the day that the Lord has made. And because of the finished work of Jesus our Lord, we can rejoice. Come what may, we can rejoice and be glad in every day. And, and again, you know, I don't want you to think that because I threw a couple of toilet paper things in here that I'm taking this thing lightly because people are dying. It hit very close to our fellowship today. A brother in our church lost his mother this morning to the virus. So this is a real thing. It's the real deal. But I'm just pointing you to something deeper. I'm pointing you to something more real, something, and that is the condition of our soul, right? And what is of the utmost importance and that, that we fix our eyes on Jesus. And he's going to take us through whatever storm comes in this life, whatever happens, we are victorious in him. And if you are out there today and you've somehow come upon this video and you have not given your life entirely to Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, then today, today is the day of your salvation. If you stumble upon this video somehow two years from now, today is the day of your salvation. Call out to Him from right where you are. That's what I did 34 years ago. Repent of your sinful life that life where you have turned your back to the way, the truth, the life that is Jesus, right? He wants you to receive His forgiveness. It is unconditionally offered to all who will repent and come unto Him. If we can pray for you as a ministry, feel free to visit our website, www.aloveoutreach.com. There's a contact form there that you can fill out, and we'd love to pray for you. If you want to listen to more of our online teachings, you can do so as well there on the website, aloveoutreach.com, or you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course YouTube by searching for A Love Outreach. But God bless you all, and let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, Lord Jesus, you are good. Yesterday, today, you are the same forevermore. Lord, we just acknowledge you today, and I pray, God, that those that profess belief in your name, Lord, that they will, will become even more committed unto you, Lord, and that they will take that initiative to share. People are hurting, Lord, today, and people are in need of you every day. Whether there was a virus going around or not, people need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We're lost without you. And I pray for the believers that they would take the message of the good news of who you are to the world around them, Lord. And for those that have not yet come to the knowledge of you, Lord, if they're out there and they're watching this, Lord, and even if they're not, this prayer goes forth unto you, Lord, no matter who's watching. And I pray, Lord, that salvation will come. God, that, that maybe even in these times when when people's lives are falling apart 
God, when, when things are crumbling around us in this world, Lord, and we're beginning to realize that it just all fades, Lord. It just all fades away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Your word never fails, Lord. And I pray that people will be drawn unto you at this time, Lord. But Lord, there needs to be help those beautiful feet that preach the gospel. And I pray that you will send them into the world. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.